Mix in the Dark. Hey, what's up? It's Mai Yang from Mix in the Dark. Welcome to season three. If you are new to the channel, my name is Mai Yang and I am your host for Mix in the Dark. This podcast tells true scary stories from listeners of different backgrounds. Season three also marks year three of Mix in the Dark and we've come a really long way. A lot of newer listeners often question why my podcast is not told in Hmong and I just want to restate that there are so many Hmong storytellers who tell stories in our native language and they are really good at what they do so I'm going to let them continue that work. I have a hidden goal for Mix in the Dark and it is to educate listeners about the Hmong culture and possibly other cultures through storytelling and this is why I speak English in my podcast. Believe it or not, there are actually a few hundred non-Hmong listeners that listen to Mix in the Dark, which is why I sometimes keep explaining recurring terms that non-Hmong listeners may not know. Mix in the Dark is ranked in the top 5% of the most listened to podcasts in the world right now. The top 5 countries that listen to Mix in the Dark other than the US are Australia, Canada, Philippines, France, and India. So shoutouts to you all. Thank you to everyone across the world for your continuous support and for allowing me to learn as I go. We are starting off the season with a prequel to a story that you have already heard. I have an episode called The Cursed Mountain in season two of Mix in the Dark. I will be referencing some content from The Cursed Mountain in this episode. This story is actually from the same elder that told me the story about The Cursed Mountain and how it created a residual haunting. The story in this episode happened a few years before The Cursed Mountain episode. The two episodes are pretty independent of each other so it wouldn't matter which you listen to first just know that it is from the same person and its location is the same one last thing I want to mention is that I am going to be teaching a podcasting class to high school students as an after-school enrichment class, and I'm planning to have them record their very own episode and also create their very own podcast. So this is so exciting for me because I feel like kids these days do not have time to create in school, and this would be one of those classes that would allow them time to showcase their creativity. I am trying to raise money to buy a few USB microphones for the class. These mics will be reused yearly. So please send me an email if you want to help fund this class. There are three ways that you can help out. You can donate money toward the USB microphones. You can donate a USB microphone and it doesn't matter if it is used or not. Or you can listen to our students' podcast on their release dates. Either one is cool with me. I would love to work with you. Just shoot me an email at mixinthedark@gmail.com. Otherwise, all tips from Venmo this fall will be used toward microphones for our scholars. With that said, don't forget to share Mix in the Dark podcast with your family, friends, colleagues, and allow them a chance to share their scary stories with us. If there is a story that you really enjoyed, you can hit up my tip jar on Venmo. Just search Mix in the Dark on the business tab. Thank you and enjoy. When I was a little girl still living in Laos, I witnessed many things that did not make sense to me until I was a little older to understand it. I want to start by explaining that I am a retired shaman elder. I was not chosen to become a shaman until my late 30s, but even before then, I often heard whispers or felt a force that spiritually pushed me in certain directions. 
To explain these spiritual forces, they were almost like voices in the back of my mind, influencing my decisions to protect me from harm's way in the future. Like I said, this story takes place in Laos during the midst of the Vietnam War. We had a farm next to a mountain that we call the Cursed Mountain. A long time ago, there used to be a bunch of honey beehives in the tree and forest areas on top of that mountain. The honey from the bees were used for medicinal benefits for those who were brave enough to reach it. A young woman wanted to get honey from the mountains after hearing that honey can help with burns. She wanted to save her daughter who was suffering from an infection from her burnt wounds. They tried many efforts to help relieve the daughter's pain, but nothing seemed to help. Getting honey from that mountain, despite how dangerous it was, was the mother's last resort. In an attempt to get honey from the mountain, the young woman slipped and fell off the mountain, smashing into boulders on her way down. On some nights when we were sleeping at the farm, you would hear her voice scream as if she was falling off the mountain. This scream would replay throughout the night many times, like rewinding her falling scene. This is why we call this mountain the Cursed Mountain. The other village kids and I used to dare each other to run up to the top, scream like the woman who fell, and then run back down. I was dared, but I was never able to actually do it. I was always terrified of that mountain. One day, my older sister asked me to go to the garden with her. My sister was only 17 years old. She was married to a guy with two wives, including her. They had two daughters together, a two-year-old and one-year-old. Her husband is relevant to this story, so we will call him Singh. Singh and his first wife were busy helping others in their garden that day, so she asked me to tag along so that I can be an extra hand to help watch her children. Their garden happened to be on one side of the cursed mountain. Singh's family and our family were pretty close. Our houses were not too far away from each other. I met her at her house. She carried her older daughter in a large open bamboo basket on her back, while I carried her younger daughter on my back with Daingye. Daingye is a Hmong baby carrier. We walked to the garden area. It took us about an hour or so to get there. Then we began to climb the mountain to where the garden area was. There was a path that helped our footing. We finally got to an area where the path separated, forming two garden areas. By the time we got there, I was out of breath and tired because of how steep the mountain was. I watched my sister set down her basket. Her daughter got out to stretch. I took my niece off my bag and began to hand her to my sister. As I was doing so, I heard a faint whisper in my right ear. Careful, it said. I looked behind me thinking that it was just another villager. To my surprise, there was absolutely no one behind me. I shrugged it off and I asked my sister what she needed to get done at the garden for the day. Suddenly my sister yelled, wait, at me. It scared me so I accidentally dropped my niece. She started rolling down the hill. My sister screamed and ran toward my niece who was now almost halfway through their garden. My niece only finally came to a stop after she ran into a few corn stalks. I grabbed my other niece and started to walk toward them. My sister walked back while holding my crying niece, who now had bleeding cuts to her forehead, arms, and legs. She yelled at me for dropping her daughter. I asked her why she suddenly yelled at me when I tried to hand my niece over. She whispered, not here. After calming down my niece, we did our job for the day, had lunch, and we left. When we got to the village, I asked her again. 
She explained that we aren't supposed to pass a child directly over like that, especially when we are at a crossing area. Evil entities live in paths that cross each other and can intercept when a child is handed over that cross, taking that child's soul. Things that lurk there are lonely and will take any opportunity they can get to get someone onto their side. After hearing this, I apologized. I felt so bad that I did not know and I even dropped her. When my sister got home, Singh saw the cuts and bruises on my niece and yelled at my sister at the top of his lungs. It was so scary, I felt afraid to be around. I apologized to my sister's husband and started to walk home. Over the next few weeks, my niece started to get sick. It went from chills to fevers, and then finally she wouldn't eat anymore. Everyone in our village knew that we dropped my niece on the cursed mountain. Rumors started to spread that us dropping her also dropped her spirit, which is why she is sick. Singh finally asked the village shaman to perform a ritual on her to see if anything was happening on the spiritual side. After the ritual, the shaman gave his interpretation. He explained that her spirit was taken by a demon who watches the roads. No matter how much he negotiated with the demon, the demon was lonely and absolutely would not let her go. Only a week after this ritual, my baby niece suddenly passed away. I felt terrible. I remember sitting at her funeral ritual crying and pleading for forgiveness from my sister. She did not speak to me during the funeral ritual. I didn't blame her. I wondered if that voice I heard was trying to warn me that this was going to happen. I was pretty sure I heard it to tell me to be careful. It has now been a few months. My sister still will not talk to me. And because of this, the rest of the story is what I heard from my parents, relatives, and Singh's first wife. Singh was furious at the entity that held his daughter captive. You can say that he went a little crazy. He began to seek for shamans that can battle that demon. You and I both know that he was asking for something that was impossible, and because of that, the villagers all looked at him like he was a madman. One day, Singh heard of an elder that specializes in black magic. This elder worshipped evil and used his powers for financial gains. He was rich, and people were afraid of him because of what he could do to them. He was known to be able to curse and torture his enemies with just a few words. Singh was able to find this elder's house and asked to be his student. Naturally, the elder refused. He stated that he did not want to teach black magic to anyone who had hatred in their heart because it can be very dangerous. Singh continued to ask this elder for help. After realizing that he will not stop, the elder took him in. Singh took months to learn from this elder. When he reached the level where he was able to practice by himself, the elder told him that in order for him to free his daughter's soul, he would need to sacrifice someone in his immediate family and give that person to that dark entity. The elder told him that when he gets home, he will have to call for the entity and offer a soul for a soul. He will know when the entity is there because there will be some sort of commotion at the door. Whoever opens the door will be the person that the entity takes. Singh had it all planned out. He was going to sacrifice his first wife since they did not have any children together. That evening, he came home and prepared for the entity to take his first wife. Both wives were setting dinner. He noticed that his first wife was closest to the door, so he chanted the words to get the entity to come. Sure enough, there was a sudden knock at the door. 
The first wife paused to question who it was. There was no answer. She then whispered to the second wife, my sister, to go with her to open the door. My sister, losing her child, had nothing left to be scared of, so she went to the door while the first wife followed close behind. My sister opened the door. There was a huge gush of cold wind that came through the door, and as soon as it went through, my sister dropped to the floor. The first wife was beyond scared at this point, not knowing what the heck was going on. That was when Singh shouted, Konya, or my wife. Why did you open the door? Why did you not let Nila, or first wife, answer? He collapsed onto the ground crying and patted my sister's head back and forth. She was dead. The first wife looked at him in disbelief at what she just heard. She started crying, understanding that she had been the one that her husband wanted dead. Over the next few days, the first wife kept quiet because she knew that Singh had the powers to kill her. She secretly discussed this with her mom. It was decided between them that she would stay with her husband because, for one, they did not know what he would do to her and her family if she leaves, and two, she did not want to embarrass her family and become labeled as a bondal or a divorcee. In traditional Hmong views, it is frowned upon to divorce your husband even if he is an abusive partner. Even though she was afraid of her husband, she still felt she had a duty as a mother to take care of my sister's oldest daughter. She also was not able to have children of her own, so she stayed and protected this daughter like her own. After my sister died, Singh went crazy because his black magic did not turn out like what he had wanted. With his daughter and his favorite wife dead, it filled him with hatred and rage. At this point, it did not matter if his daughter was freed from the evil entity or not. He understood and is now convinced that the black magic does actually work, and because he was a crazy man filled with rage, he wanted to now use his black magic to torture people. He saw that his first task was to kill his master because he convinced himself that his master had purposely caused all of this to happen. Without thinking about the consequences or lives that he would take, Singh took a grenade to his master's house and made sure that every corner of that house and everyone living in that house was gone. The people in the village was able to connect the bombing of the master's house to Singh because they knew that he learned black magic from that master. No one dared to make themselves an enemy to Singh. From that day on, Singh used this black magic to make people sick so that the only way they could get better is to pay him to take the black magic away. Word also spread that he knew how to do this black magic. People often paid him to have curses performed on their enemies. Eventually, the villagers were all dying from instant and mysterious deaths, all connecting to Singh. The deaths were soon reached the first wife's family. The representatives from her clan were enraged and not happy. They went to question her husband's clan, the Mong Li clan, and demanded that they control him or they will take their sister away and bomb his house. The Mong Li clan argued that he also has been taking their people and that them bombing the house will not solve anything. One of my distant grandpas from the Vang side had a close family member die from Singh's attacks over a small disagreement. One night, he decided that he was going to kill Singh. 
My grandpa snuck to Singh's house with a rifle. Back then, the Hmong people in Laos lived in straw houses, so it was easy to open a tiny hole in the wall and peek through. My grandpa opened a tiny hole, just enough for him to put his rifle through and see inside. There was just enough light from the fireplace to help him figure out where to point his rifle. When he saw Singh, my grandpa fired several times. The strange thing about all of this was that he was sure he put bullets inside this rifle, but it was not firing. He only heard the clicking sounds of the rifle. Singh also heard the rifle clicking, so he jumped into a small ditch inside of their home to keep himself safe. Seeing that his rifle wasn't working, my grandpa ran off into the night. If Singh catches him, he would use black magic to kill my grandpa. The family was quickly informed of this incident. They all kept quiet and Singh never found out who had attempted to kill him. Not too long after this incident, the Vietnam War got more intense. We would often see soldiers come through the village. One day, we heard a villager inform the men in town that there was trouble right outside of their village involving the Viet Cong. Most of the men in the village, including Singh, went to this location, but this was actually a ruse organized by some of the villagers who wanted Singh dead. They were afraid of him and what he could do to their families. That day, the village people killed Singh and used the war as a cover-up. They came back with Singh's dead body and told everyone at home that he had been killed by the Viet Congs. I'm pretty sure the villagers who stayed back suspected that this was a lie, but no one complained or said anything because everyone wanted Singh dead. With Singh gone, no one wanted his first wife and daughter because they feared that Singh may have left his family cursed or that Singh will come back to haunt them. As a kid, I did not have the slightest clue of what happened after they buried my niece. It wasn't until 20 or 30 years after we came to America before I heard the rest of the story from Singh's first wife and a couple of others gossiping away. They talked about how the dark magic master did not even want to teach Singh because he saw Singh's heart and it was unfortunate that he taught someone who would eventually kill him. No one has that fear anymore because all of the Hmong Lee people involved are either deceased or had been killed during the war. I remember going back to that cursed mountain before we left Laos. This was after the avalanche that killed my aunt. I was alone. I was walking and reminiscing about how my sister and I used to come up to the mountains together to do gardening work. I began crying and saying out loud that I missed her and that I remember us getting in trouble from dropping her baby and that I hope they were together in the heavens away from danger and worries. Right when I said this, I felt a rock hit the back of my legs. I looked back. There was no one there. I dried my tears. That's when I saw another rock fling past my leg. It seemed very playful. All of a sudden, I felt this soft, warm breeze push past my shoulders. It was then that I felt deep inside an overwhelming feeling of something being lifted off my shoulders. It was a very peaceful feeling. I was almost sure that it was my sister letting me know that she forgave me. With that thought in my heart, I climbed down the mountain and went back to where my family was staying. Because the war had finally reached us, that night, we abandoned our farmhouse and fled.
Thank you for listening to Mix in the Dark. I am your host, Mai Ying. Mix in the Dark is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast series. If you have a story that you would like to share, please send it to mixinthedark at gmail.com. If there's a story that you really enjoyed, feel free to hit up my tip jar on Venmo. Just search Mix in the Dark on the business tab.